we didn't know where we were going. No idea. Okay, I just uh, went up to the uh, flight attendant and I said, so where are we going? And uh, she said, Malta, where? So she opened up the uh, airline um, guidebook where it had the map of the world and showed me that it was south of Italy and all I saw was a couple of tiny little dots. Karibuni, my name is Dola Vasani and this is Expulsion at 50, a podcast series commemorating the 50-year anniversary of the expulsion of Asians from Uganda back in 1972. In May 2020, during the height of the COVID-19 lockdown and the riots across America, I spoke to Zainur Ozain Lalani from his home in Tampa, Florida. Zane and his parents left Uganda in November 1972 after the deadline of 90 days had passed. This is his story. The story is that I was born in uh, Masaka, mm. uh, which is a small town uh, south of Kampala, um, you know, close to the uh, shores of uh, Lake Victoria. Um, so like most um, Indians in Uganda, my grandparents came over from India and um, established, they were business folks, you know, and they established uh, uh, businesses uh, there. Um, and then my uh, uh, my parents, you know, uh, were born there uh, in Uganda. They ended up having a very large family. Uh, I'm the youngest of eight. So by the time I was in primary school, most of my siblings had left home. Uh, some had gotten married and left. Others just went to university. I think another uh, in Kampala, Nairobi, uh, uh, UK, you know, um, and, you know, education was very important uh, for my, my parents. So how was it growing up in Masaka? You know, we were in a very large house, uh, which was a front, in the front was a business in the back. So there were a lot of, um, uh, lots of space for me, but... Uh, the fact that um, uh, I, you know, my parents were very, very busy, and uh, I felt that, uh, you know, I got, you know, obviously whatever normal guidance you would get, but I was pretty much on my own. So, uh, you know, the British culture, the American culture, was a big influence in my life. Between, um, you know, uh, TV, movies, uh, music, uh, which is uh, a lot of the family members who traveled elsewhere brought a lot of vinyl records. Uh, and I would spend hours and hours and hours listening to uh, <laughs> music on my own. I read, read a lot of British books, uh, comic books, magazines, um, and then in terms of the day-to-day -day life, um, involved in uh, Boy Scouts, um, uh, school, you know, soccer uh, games, um, and in general, in the life of drive-in movies, movie theaters, picnics by uh, Lake Victoria, uh, and visiting family and friends, going to all the game parks, um, you know, uh, those are kind of the fond memories uh, of, uh, of, those, of those years. Retail and wholesale, uh, 
and they sold um, pretty much everything that you would buy, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, your, your sugar stuff, your, all your stuff. Um, essentially, their customers, main customers were small village retailers. And um, so anything those guys needed to sell in their, in their businesses. And then we had a little small truck that would load up and deliver to them, those who needed delivery. Others would just come in and pick it up. So they were very, very busy in that business. Uh, um, you know, it was doing, it was doing um, you know, very well. I uh, went to um, the private school, um, Aga Khan, uh, nursery school, primary school. You know, and then I did, uh, I started secondary school, but um, of course never, um, you know, continued in it. I loved going to school. Um, you know, be between a lot of friends with all the activities that they had, um, you know, we, uh, it, was, it was just great. And it, it, it probably, uh, you know, uh, helped that I was a good student. I had a lot of non-Ismaili friends that I did a lot of stuff with, especially uh, when I'm talking uh, like Boy Scouts uh, and so on. We mixed with a lot of other troops um, uh, in town. And because of my other interests that I had, um, library like reading books and so on I spent a lot of time at the library uh, made a lot of different uh, you know friends uh, through through there and activities through there which was you know which was good because it gave me a very broad view of, of you know I wasn't um, narrowed down into into the religious aspect you know in August 1972 Idi Amin made the announcement of the Asian expulsion on national television several businessmen, the Indian businessmen, came over to my dad's store uh, to ask the advice, you know. Uh, and uh, I remember, because I did spend, you know, sometimes time in, in the store, and I remember him telling them that, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't concerned. He said, this is, you know, non-citizens. He says, we're citizens, you know. We're all born here. Our families are born here, you know. He says, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried, you know. Uh, and he actually really felt that this might even just be a ploy, uh, you know, for some, um, uh, you know, concessions from Britain, you know, and so on. And here, of course, between, you know, some reading, but from people, stories of harassments and violence. Somebody we knew in town uh, or in a town right nearby uh, had been, uh, a business person had been taken uh, away by the military. Uh, and uh, my dad, you know, trying to use the, the connections and so on that he had, tried to find out about uh, uh, location and all that, but uh, could not. And uh, unfortunately, um, never heard about him again. Uh, so it's assumed that he had been killed. Shops became easy pickings for police and army personnel. When I looked at this guy, he was a big guy. His eyes were bloodshot red. He had a huge shotgun by his side. Uh, and even though I was maybe five feet away, I could smell the alcohol. Uh, and uh, uh, he um, you know, began to talk to my dad. And then his voice began to rise. And he got angrier and angrier. He was like agitated, you know. Um, and, uh, and of course, I could not understand anything. That he was saying and my dad was talking in a very calm voice and then he took the shotgun and pointed it towards my dad's head and i'm like five feet away 
And my dad continued talking to him calmly. And then they walked, you know, next behind me, there was a door to the house or the storage unit that we had in the basement. And they went behind, they closed the door, and I, I hear them still talking. And probably it was just a few minutes, but I felt, probably felt like hours <laughs> to me. And I'm just sitting in the, in the store. I don't know what to do, right? You know, I'm, you know, unfortunately, there was nobody else in the store. And, um, and a few minutes later, he, uh, he walked out. Uh, and my dad came back. Uh, he didn't say anything. I didn't ask him. And to this day, I have no idea. My parents were still like, you know, I think, think there's still some hope. And, uh, but one of the things that my mom did is pack some uh, items of sentimental value uh, and um, mail it, ship it. I mean, I was a big stamp collector. And I had uh, pen pals all over the world and I had stamps from all over. And so uh, I, um, took a bunch of my loose stamps that I had, I put them in four envelopes, uh, and I mailed them to my sister uh, in New York. Uh, and I still have those envelopes. We were getting closer, and then when I think Idi Amin at the time, and I remember reading this uh, in the paper, and he said, uh, those remaining behind will have to work in the farms. And that's what it took for my dad. You know, and he was like, all right, you know, so and and as we packed up, um, you know, all the embassies were closing up um, and we had gone to we had gone to Kampala, you know, gone in line, waited in line to apply, all that stuff. And it was too late, you know, so we ended up going to uh, United Nations. Uh, really, we couldn't pack a lot. We just had to pack, a, you know, a couple of suitcases. Um, uh, of, of clothes and um, locked the business. And at the time, my parents were telling the, uh, you know, all the employees, because we had drivers and a lot of employees, house, house, um, uh, folks work, work in our house and in our store that um, we're, uh, uh, we're going to Kampala. If we have to leave, we're going to leave for a short time and come back. Folks there. Uh, and, um, so we stayed uh, overnight at the place. We were all guarded. Uh, and then by buses, we were taken to Entebbe Airport. But that was on the day after the deadline. Many women experienced violence at the airport. My aunt had jewelry on her. Um, you know, bangles, I guess, right? Uh, and earrings and, and, and probably a necklace. So the security guard just pulled them off her. And I'm watching this probably 10 feet in front of me. And my aunt is like, you know, pushing back, you know, like, no, no, no. But security guy's just holding her hand, pulling them off her, taking her earrings off, taking everything off her, puts it in her pocket, and then tells her to go. We didn't know where we were going. I mean, no idea. Me being a 13-year-old, uh, spunky, you know, kid, 
I just uh, went up to the uh, flight attendant and I said, so where are we going? And uh, she said, Malta, I've collected stamps. I know countries around the world. I don't think I know this country, you know, where? So she opened up the uh, airline um, guidebook where it had the map of the world and showed me that it was south of Italy. And all I saw was a couple of tiny little dots. So that was our, um, our, 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 our new home for, uh, for a little while. Uh, we were there for um, six months uh, and there was a military barracks. So we were housed uh, 12 to a room, you know, it's just like it was just like a normal military uh, uh, barracks, you know, you get about two or three feet, you know, from uh, from each other. Um, and, you know, there's a canteen and, uh, um, you know, so but it, we were entering the winter months. Uh, and we had um, no winter clothing. The people of Malta uh, were ex extremely nice and generous way beyond uh, so we were treated very very well uh, and uh, I think that made the difference and uh, even in within the compound you know they had entertainment rooms they gave uh, every religion a room an empty room so they could you know do their uh, religious uh, services and families basically adopted uh, Families around Malta adopted people, uh, you know, unofficially. We were free to go in and out. You know, they, you know, nobody, uh, uh, they were not afraid of us having to escape and, and do things, you know. So uh, I spent many, many nights, many weekend nights away. I spent a lot of times, you know, we went on picnics, we went playing soccer, went to the movies, you know. Um, I mean, Malta was so beautiful, even though it was winter months, uh, 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 we did that. So uh, in, on the one hand, you have all this great stuff happening. You know, they were treating you well, you were fed well, uh, you went into town. Um, they took us to shows, uh, theaters. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about as a, as a whole group, individually, and, and all of that. Uh, on the other hand, we were still in a barracks. We were still 12 to a room. It was still cold. We had portable heaters. And by the way, I uh, I probably grew about six inches and nothing that I had brought fit me. Do you feel your father had finally come to terms with what had happened? He was still adamant that uh, they're going to work things out. He said they, he felt that the economy would collapse. He said, you know, that he would not and the Britain would work it out. There was still an overhanging um, dark cloud that uh, we didn't know. And just like in Uganda, um, as time went on, people began to get papers for other countries. So little bit by bit, people started to leave. I guess it took a little while, uh, but my dad, you know, it, he basically came to that conclusion that we're not going back, uh, you know? So uh, we... Um, uh, you know, we're waiting for her paperwork until um, April of 73, you know. Uh, that's when we got uh, got word that we were um, we were leaving for Canada. We had a great time, but again, now, you know, obviously I, I matured. I would say that, uh, uh, you know, seeing all the stuff was happening, I really felt like I went from 13 to 130, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you know, there was still a lot of people left behind, you know, uh, it was six months and still a lot of people there did not have their, uh, their paperwork. Uh, but, um, again, it was exciting to, uh, uh, finally go, okay. And, and, you know, see my brother and, uh, uh, and, you know, go there and finally go to get settled. We stayed with my brother for a short time and then we we got uh, public housing you know because we had i mean we had no money right you know so we got public housing some assistance um and i started school uh, there was a lot of community support both uh government uh as the and the smiley community uh you know people were there ready to give you clothes give you every, everything that you needed my dad just ended up <clears throat> you know, uh, working different retail, you know, uh, and my mom, um, uh, you know, would um, get jobs in factories where, you know, she could do some sewing. Yet it wasn't all a bed of roses for Zane. My car tires were slashed. Uh, you know, we were threatened. I was threatened to be beaten up, uh, uh, you know, um, and I, at, at school, you know, I had been punched, you know, Plain and simple, you know, for a color or skin, you know, and um, and then um, we just, uh, uh, but just made, you know, uh, our goal was to get out of public housing. Being a very good student and an avid reader of, uh, uh, you know, books, you know, I remember being in Uganda, you know, in a book contest where we read a book a week, you know what I mean? And we were talking about like Charles Dickens and all these other authors, so who were very well worst is that. Um, the actual school uh, experience of uh, education wasn't so bad. You know, we pretty rose up pretty quick overall assimilation, you know, in Canada and Toronto specifically, where we were definitely made it easier because, you know, again, at my age, uh, I was able to adapt to everything, you know, very easily, you know, uh, but definitely very difficult for my parents. Uh, no doubt about it. But uh, one of the things that we did is that uh, back in Malta and in Canada, they learned English. They actually, my parents did not speak English or uh, not fluent anyways. They had, you know, some, uh, because in Uganda, the business that um, they were doing was with all the, with the African businessmen and they had uh, children who all spoke English. So anything that needed to be done with the government uh, could be done. So, um, I, uh, living with them, uh, every day, we were, uh, they were going, um, English classes, they were, they had, uh, for immigrants, and, and then they had their homework, and I'd be sitting there helping them with their homework, it was kind of ironic. We did get the harassment, they were very, some of them very nice families, uh, but most people kept to themselves, so, uh, friends, um, to be made outside of that group, um, and, and of course, uh, it helped to uh, go for, uh, you know, Imal Khanna's religious, you know, and, and making friends there. They were there. There was no sitting around waiting for help, uh, all that, uh, you know, immediately winning out, looking for work, looking to learn the language, looking to do all of that. And uh, um, and, and, and eventually, you know, um, as, uh, as the years went by, you know, um, you know, uh, we got into, uh, you know, family business, you know, 
um, electronics business. And then, you know, my parents, my brothers, a couple, couple of my brothers, you know, we just joined actually all, all of my brothers and I, um, you know, just went into it. My dad was there helping out. At the time, my mom, you know, uh, decided, you know, she'll just retire, you know, uh, and volunteer. And, and she did a lot of volunteering, uh, Red Cross and, and the other organizations were, you know, still, that was still in my dad's mind that someday he may go back, you know, uh, but then I think he resigned to the fact, I think living in Canada, um, and uh, and as uh, more money began to accumulate, it became uh, evident that it's a safe place to live and, and, and grow up. And as the, as everybody in the family began to have, they began to have more and more grandkids and, you know, began to get more established. In 1997, to commemorate the 25th anniversary, Zane published a book which looked at the expulsion through the eyes of the international press. I decided to just fund it myself, do a limited number of copies. It was only a thousand copies. Uh, And I said, I want to do a good quality job, you know, uh, something that would be kept. Um, Mm -hmm. And more than anything else, um, uh, kept as a reference in, 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 in a library, in government archives, uh, and, and, and so on, you know, and that's actually what it turned out to be. Looking back, I asked Zane to share some of his reflections. Uh, the folks in their teens uh, and in their 20s probably had the most difficult time in terms of uh, trying to assimilate with the, their peers. The older folks had the most difficult time in their jobs um, and, 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 you know, surviving in that manner. I guess the number one thing that it has done for me is uh, that uh, brought to the fact that material possessions don't mean very much. Mm-hmm. And I have um, preached that um, pretty much all my life. What brings back uh, memories is music, uh, specifically some music of the 1960s. like to share your personal story for a future episode of Expulsion at 50, please get in touch. The email address is expulsion50 at gmail.com or on Twitter at expulsion50. Till next time, take care and stay safe.